This is Bo Buchanan, and I'm here with another edition of On the Level. This weekend, I am in Casa Grande, Arizona for Masonicon 2022 in March 2022, and I'm here with Worshipful Brother David Sahedi. David, can you please tell me your full name, your home lodge, and any Masonic titles you may have? Yeah. Uh, David Sahedi, Aslan Lodge Number 1 in Prescott. I'm a past master of that lodge in 2016, which was our 150th anniversary. And... Uh, 32nd degree Scottish right and I'm currently going through the York Rite degrees as well. And you are in the Grand Lodge? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I should probably say <laughs> that. I am currently the Junior Grand Steward, yes. All right. So tell me, do you remember the first time you ever heard of this thing called Freemasonry? Yes. I was... I believe I was in elementary school. I want to say it had to be third to fourth grade, somewhere in that area. Uh, my father had mentioned it to me. So, uh, quick little sidebar: my father and his father were estranged, and were estranged, estranged, and. My father at one point considered masonry as possibly an area in which they could reunite their relationship because my grandfather, um, back, our family goes all the way back to when they lived in the Levant, from what our family history tells us is 300 years in masonry. Um, my grandfather was a past master of his lodge, 1974, 33rd degree, Northern Masonic jurisdiction. I wear a tie pin that belonged to my great-great-grandfather, um, presented to me by my father's second cousin. Uh, he received it from my grandfather, and then when he knew I became a Mason, he came out to give it to me. Um, and it was just he and I, after 300 years, it was just he and I, we were the last ones. And then... I, eight months before he passed, he raised his son. Wow. Yeah. And um, so now... So your dad became a Mason after you were a Mason? No. Oh. My dad did not. His cousin, oh, his the second cousin, cousin raised, raised his, his son. son. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So now, whatever level of that cousin, <laughs> he is for me, what, third or fourth, and, uh, and I, he and I are now the last remaining. So your dad never became a Mason? Dad never did. Okay. Mm -mm. And so... So how long after that, so after that occurred, when did you start kind of looking at Freemasonry as maybe something you were interested in? Right. Well, and I'm sorry, I forgot to explain the whole story, why the third to fifth grade came, even came up. It was at that time, my father was exploring that with his father, and he mentioned to me the Freemasons and there being a lot of memorization and him receiving some paperwork to try to start, and that he reached out to his father to see if he would sponsor him, and his father said no. Mm. Yeah, um, and so it was um, not exactly something that was talked about much, but it was brought up early on. And then it just, religion, history, philosophy, is just as probably 99.9% .9 of every other brother in masonry, right? That's been a big drawn interest to me, and it just kept drawing me along, and then learning more family history, and then learning more about Freemasonry, it's... Um, really towards high school started to become even more of an interest 
Had I had a deeper connection, it would have been great to get in Demolay at that time, growing up in Yuma. They had a long-standing Demolay team there, so that or, or chapter, so that would have been great to join, but we didn't. And so I moved around a lot after high school, was in the military, and it took three different times me asking uh, to join, where ultimately, finally, I was able to, to join. And it was... Um, and what year was that? 2011, I was raised. It started with uh, work kept transferring me to different places, so it, I ended up at Aslan Lodge number one, even though originally I was talking to Central 14 in, uh, at that time, Sedona. But ended up over at Aslan Lodge number one. And you mentioned a little bit about the draw being, you know, your interest in religion and philosophy and those kind of things. What what did you know about masonry that, that made you feel like this was something that was going to have something to offer you? Hmm. Well, if I'll be honest, my father and I also ended up being coming estranged. And this was a, uh, as I started becoming older, this started to feel like a string I could grab onto to my family because because of all the estrangement in our family I don't know a lot of these or really any of my extended family and we've never been around them we didn't get to know them and so this felt like an opportunity to reach towards that direction and the week I submitted my application my grandfather passed and so I never got to share that with him. Um, and so it, I've spent a lot of time trying to think what developed it further after hearing it early on, right? And honestly, the Arthurian tales were a huge influence on my eventuality to masonry because that obviously that led me to the Crusades and then the Templars and then down and forth and so combining all of that with family history as he one of our cousins wrote a book on the family that's the only reason why we know a lot of this um and at the same time i was reading a book about admiral perry in the mediterranean fighting the pirates i'm reading in this family book of one of our distant family members who is a merchant owned his ship assisting Perry in locating the pirates and that's no noted like in other historical books that he worked with local folks Admiral Perry was Mason oh. so was my family member interesting so it was really interesting as I started looking at all that and then it's just like all these little tidbits start jumping out and it's like you just have to dive in and then when I was younger was very religious mm. in the sense that I wanted to be a priest really wow. I did and um, some things happened that changed that but my faith was always really strong and then it got rocked and it went away for a few years and as I started coming back to family and masonry it all really started coming back so it not only did I was I able to reestablish my a deeper relationship with the divine and reestablish my faith? I 
was able to come back into this brotherhood, which has been so critical for all my fa family. Like, my great great grandfather was raised in Tripoli. Then uh, his son was the firstborn in the States. And then and he's the one I have to write that, that other little article about that he was the first out of the second plane on D-Day. And So history, I've always heard that, you know, Freemasons were great keepers of history. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly one of the draws for me when I came in because I've always been kind of a history buff. What have you, has that led you down certain paths to get involved in certain things now since you've been a part of Freemasonry? In terms of wanting to understand the history more, uh, from... From just being an officer and now a Grand Lodge officer, certainly I think there's an important aspect of wanting to understand the state history, legislation, and all that stuff, right? So being able to dive into that and understand it from an administrative point of view. But the general overarching history of the impact of Masons. Let me tell you a story of uh, 1864. Please. <laughs> Masons are in Prescott, Arizona. There's no capital. They decide we're going to have a capital. It's going to be Prescott, Arizona, Fort Whipple. Governor's here, great. Okay, everybody go ahead and leave, except for a handful of individual men. All those men are in a room and they say, do you guys want to form a lodge? Sure. So within minutes of the town being founded as the capital of the Arizona Territory, the brothers also began the process to form a lodge and ultimately we got our charter two years later from the Grand Lodge of California. As the first lodge in Arizona. First lodge in Arizona. Sponsored by New Mexico to California. And um, the history it's rich and there's one of the most joyful experiences I have of any interaction with a brother especially when I go to their lodge, it's just being able to listen to them and their pride they feel in their lodge and just telling the stories because you start to see the enduring relationships that have continued from one brother to another through the generations to maintain, sure, it's a physical building, but it's the spiritual practice that happens inside that allows us, right, this growth that we want to make good men better. But the opportunity to hear from another brother to just describe their lodge and what it means to them. And then you get to hear all their history. And there's just so much history. I mean, everywhere and everything with masonry attached to it. And that's what's beautiful. You just get to hear more in people's passion. And again, just their own pride for what they get to be a part of. So, so in that vain tell me are there are there brothers are there any stories or, or brothers you want to tell me about that have have had a big impact on your journey in freemasonry wow <laughs> that is a great yet difficult question it's difficult because you it's to narrow it down you guys want the lights on or are you guys good we're good you too, buddy. Oof. Um, any any brothers here. that have just kind of stand out to you? Obviously, there's a lot for all of us, mm -hmm. but you know who you know in your early journey, like who really stood out to you and say, "I want to 
I want to be like that guy. I want to go follow that guy's path. Well, I'll bring up two. One, it's uh, coincidental in terms of me following his path, but is uh, most worshipful Boyd Robertson. He, uh, very early on, he and I became friends, and I would travel a lot with him because we were both part of a research lodge. And I would travel a lot with him, and then I'd go to these conferences with him. And it was fascinating watching his interaction with everybody because one of his biggest teachings was do not go sit with everybody you know. Go sit with someone else and make a new friend. Meet somebody. And so just getting to hear that experience of what his was with meeting brothers has really significantly impacted me of just being open to learn and welcome any brother that comes in. I just, I, I, my wife will laugh at me, but I get really excited just meeting a new brother and hearing their story. I, I just love it every single time uh, I interact with a brother. And worshipful brother Keith Rosowitz. He's a past master of Aslan. He was raised in California. He was working South Central LA during the riots. He owned a hotel and a diner. Oh, wow. He, I mean, he is the epitome of the self-made man. He never went to college, but he could speak circles around people. He is extremely humble. And he's all about service. And so that was a significant impact. So a lot of my early years, I would spend with him in the kitchen once a month doing the cooking for the breakfast, just preparing and just soaking up all these talks. And I was struggling at one time. There were some unfortunate circumstances that occurred and I was really questioning my future in masonry. And he said to me something that seems simple but was so profound that it has just made this constant impact and I've been able to share it with others. Do not let them, whoever them may be, do not let another individual dictate what your experience in Freemasonry is going to be. Your experience is yours and yours alone. Don't let anybody else change that for you. We're all human. Everyone makes mistakes, and sometimes we bring human behaviors and emotions to the table. And when you have ex an expectation that we're going to be better and greater than that, it can sometimes break your heart when we're not. And so he was giving me counsel surrounding some situations such as that, and just reminded me that I get to choose what my experience is going to be, not somebody else. So this is, this is a really important lesson i think for for masons and for people who are considering being masons on my way up here i rode uh, in the car with two brothers from uh, arizona lodge number two uh, kevin Pryor and uh, andrew long and we talked about this and and one of the things we say is that uh, masonry is full of men and this is a great piece of advice I got once from most worshipful Bill Gerard when I was kind of early in the fraternity. Masonry is full of men, and men are imperfect. Mm -hmm. And even though, like you said, we come to the table and we have ideas and aspirations that we want to be better, we don't start there. We, we all got to start somewhere, right? So I, I think what you're saying is really important that we got to remember that 
you know, this is a, a group of men just like anything else. Mm-hmm. And being able to understand that that first step is going to be dropping your own ego, stepping back yourself and being able to understand what you even want your experience to be in masonry. And sometimes I think we come in with that, but there's so much in masonry that's a mystery. We just don't know what it's going to be. And so we can't fully know what our experience is going to be. I think the lodge, the mentor, the coaches, the people around them make a big difference. But that journey through masonry is going to determine what they want out of it. And so being able to evaluate it for yourself and step back, take a breath, and realize what masonry is and what it's not. Masonry is not being an officer in a lodge. Masonry is not attending lodge once a month. Masonry is practicing every virtue we discuss every teaching every aspect of making ourselves a better human being that's what masonry is out in public out with everybody out when we're driving instead of cutting somebody off (laughs) and maybe smiling instead of frowning the opportunity we have any human has masons aren't unique in this every human being has the opportunity but masons because of the teachings we tell ourselves we are going through have this opportunity and i would almost say responsibility to be masons that's not done in the lodge room that's done out in the world and our own teachings tell us that it's not about controlling ourselves in the lodge room but when we exit the doors because we all know each other's as masons But the stranger on the street, who I just cut off, he has no idea I'm a mason except by the license plate that he sees. So now what's his impression of masonry? What is uh, the impression of the kid who sees me wearing a square and compass on my hat, but I throw a piece of trash on the ground? And it's understanding that masonry isn't just that hour and a half once a month when we're sitting listening to the minutes. It is 24-7 of a lifestyle of us trying to genuinely just be better human beings. Nicer, kinder, friendlier. So let me me even be more direct about that. What what does masonry have to offer? You're talking a lot about uh, controlling your behavior and being a good role model, I guess. But I want to expand on that a little bit and say what... What does, how is Freemasonry still relevant today, and what does it have to offer other than you're going you're gonna to maybe control your urges or not be a bad guy? What does it really have to offer society in general? Sure, and that's a fair question. I'm a mental health counselor. Well, I'm a licensed counselor. I'm not practicing currently, but I'm still a licensed counselor. I'm performing in that field. And you can go to any counselor and learn to control your urges, control yourself, be a nicer and kinder person, right? And that's, uh, I'm going to answer, I promise, in a roundabout way. Well, I'm getting at, <laughs> Take your time. We always talk about the frustrations with seeing things on the internet. This isn't going to be a popular statement, but I'll say it anyway. There's a part of me that doesn't care. Because I feel with absolute confidence any person can read the ritual. But you will not have the experience unless you go through the process from a psychological point of view 
anthropological point of view, historical point of view, being able to go through the initiatory process when done right, what it can do for the individual receiving as well as the individuals participating is create this deeper bond. On a consciousness level that isn't often matched elsewhere because of our ritual, but because our ritual performed in the manner in which it's performed, in the space in which it's performed, and with whom it's performed, very intently with a candidate, sometimes multiple, usually one, but all the officers involved, the energy and the dedication they put into not to sound funny, to hone their craft to perform well for that candidate, to give him that experience. And so, to me, in my opinion, I believe Masonry has so much to offer now because you see a movement away from the the old, I'm joining because my father did. I'm joining because my grandfather did. I think masonry isn't just a place where we come to have a dinner once a month or hear minutes, but masonry is this place where we are seeking we're seeking to develop healthier insight into ourselves through this work with our brothers. You can take any of our material and learn it and recite it and be able to parrot it back, and that's great, and you'll know all the material. But if you don't do it with your brothers, and that's the difference with masonry, we do it with our brothers. We move through this journey together. We're never solo. There's always a brother with no matter where we go. And so moving this through together, it creates this brotherhood, but it's deeper than even what that word can, can fully emote. What we do when we perform together and we sweat and bleed and love together, we create this group of individuals that just want to help just want to see some of the burdens of the world lessened maybe decrease the pain for a child or help a family with a meal or a christmas present who couldn't regardless of the amount it creates this genuine desire to continue to give back because of what we've received and everybody i think gives back in different ways some it's charitable Everyone has their avenue in which they serve and support. But masonry has this opportunity to genuinely bridge gaps where people may not have even realized there's a space or a difference. Because if you truly allow yourself to engage with masonry, and learn from masonry, you're gonna bear yourself. You are gonna be open.
And when you allow yourself to be in that vulnerable state with all these other men, what it can create for all of us. You, I'm going to interrupt you. So you wrote an article recently for Arizona Masonry, and I threw a title on it. I called it Humility Through Service. And you talked, you mentioned, you touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the ego and how, you know, the first step in masonry is letting go of that. Tell me, expound a little bit on this this idea of how service helps create humility in, in a man. That's excellent. Service is a core. Service is of immense import to me and my family. Charitable, community, community givings, community engagement is significant. And that's great. That's the Sahedi family. That's what we like to do. But what does it mean in service? Which way is the restroom? Straight back out to the right. This way? Uh, yeah, but it's out at the patio. Patio to the right. Take a left. Right. To the patio, now a right. Um, Gosh, there's so many directions to go with this. I apologize for pausing, taking up airspace. Well, you talked, you know, when when I read this article, you really talked about how it's the it's the act of service that kind of removes you from the self, and and by by taking on uh, an act that that helps or provides for other people, you're you're letting go of the ego. It's kind right. of kind of what you said. It's where I'm going, and I, I just. Every, it's why it's hard for me sometimes, and I apologize. I can sometimes stumble on my words. Putting others, anything, before yourself, I find, helps us to understand that the world is smaller than we think it is. We are closer. We do have more in common. We can be more united than what perhaps some other media avenues might want us to believe or encourage us to be. And I, I find that as we can labor together for another, well, we're going along the lines of St. Francis, right? The joy of giving, the gift of giving to others and the reward of giving that back. If I'm going in to do something, in all sincerity, I'm not expecting anything out of it. If you needed help moving, I would not expect anything in return because to me, that's just what I do. That's what my brother needs. So it's just what we do because it's not about me. It's not about anyone in particular. It's about all of us and how we can help move the craft forward. And I, I find that as we serve and we allow ourselves to genuinely serve, not administrate from on high, but serve, come down and work with others, then we're, we, we are able to maintain that Masonic principle of all being on the level, realizing that no one in this craft is greater than another. No one has more power than another. We are all men. We are all Masons. And we all have this potential to contribute to a better world. And if that is through a soup kitchen, through 
working in a domestic violence shelter, working with adults for education. It's irrelevant. Wherever the avenue is, that's where folks get to serve. And when you serve, yourself is no longer at the forefront. When you serve, the focus isn't on you or I. And so I no longer important. I no longer know what needs to occur. We do. We are what important and we are moving together because David's irrelevant. David's dead in 40, 50 years, maybe, you know, give or take. <laughs> um, it's what we get to do with each other that can help us lend something for the future by beginning a service now and allowing yourself to not be caught up in yourself. We're all special. We're all unique. We all have certain gifts we bring to it. But if we see our gifts before ourselves, instead of what we can do with the gifts to benefit others, we're kind of losing that message, right? We're not, how great of Masons are we being? And now I will be the first to admit that I'm just as messed up as anybody out there. <laughs> I am not perfect in no way, and I do not put myself on any kind of pedestal. I actively acknowledge my faults, and I understand that there is so much more for me to learn. But I'm willing That's to. That's humility. That's humility right there. Yeah. I'm willing to. There are so many brothers that have so much to teach me. And one of my one of my greatest joys is going to a degree and thanking a candidate. And they always get this initial confused look. Why are you thanking me? Because without you, we aren't here. We're here for you because of you so thank you for allowing us to come here and do this and welcome you into our fraternity when so I'm so in the, in that note i want to ask you what would you say so i kind of like to think that you know in 50 years or 100 years people might be listening to these recordings what would you say to those men who are curious who are thinking about taking that next step or who are interested in learning about freemasonry what would you say to them An open mind isn't enough. You have to have an open heart. You have to be willing to open yourself, your own vulnerability, to your brothers. You have to be willing to bear yourself in front of men and convince them why you should be a part of it. But it's at the same time you're convincing yourself why you should be because you're going to see all these men but take the time to learn don't rush take a breath enjoy every experience and keep an open heart towards everything an open mind is great but it's not enough in masonry you have to open yourself up because as, as cliche as it may sound, you will only get out of masonry what you put in it. And if you don't want to put a lot in it, you won't get a lot out. If you only want to put enough in it to go to a certain avenue, then that's what you get. 
But if you can allow yourself to step outside, to be willing to learn from others whom you may not have otherwise thought could teach you anything and recognize that age, skin color, background, worldly accomplishments mean absolutely nothing in masonry compared to the teachings that you can learn about yourself. And all of that, all of that, will emphatically contribute to a deeper relationship with the divine. And by doing that, you're letting more of yourself go. Because again, it's not about you. I think that's one of my favorite. Rick Warren. <laughs> it's not about you. That was my- I It's not about you. Not oh. read the rest of the book. This is first line, uh, Purpose Driven Life. That's what it is. Purpose Driven Life, I have that book. Um, All right, brother, on that note, I think that's good. Excellent. Thank you very much Thank for you, taking brother. the time to do this interview.